It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello there, everybody. Thank you for joining me on the Speedway Show today. We are concluding our hopefully pretty interesting and perhaps even entertaining um, topic entitled, Beware the Wicked Whisperer. Last week, we looked at his dastardly handiwork. We looked at some of the unfortunates who had ended up in this situation. (laughs) Doors closed on promising and aspiring and otherwise inspirational careers. There was destruction, not just professional but personal as well. Going on with our conclusion, you remember last week I started to tell you about Lance Armstrong and how he had this phenomenal rise to fame and we all loved this man because he overcame a stage three cancer diagnosis. Now, as I recall, I don't think there are more than four stages when it comes to uh, cancer diagnoses. So by the time you get to stage three, this is a pretty bad situation. Lance Armstrong overcame that stage three cancer diagnosis. He was declared cancer-free after battling with the disease, and it led him, in fact, to create the Live, what is now known as the Livestrong Foundation, and we loved him. He then went on to win seven, not one, not two, not three, but seven, seven Tour de France titles. Wow! Incredibly amazing stuff. And things looked like they were going really well for him. And just then, for much of his cycling career, he had been plagued by allegations investigations and suspicions of doping or taking performance-enhancing drugs and taking unethical steps to improve his physical endurance and condition. To the point, in fact, where I started to wonder why he was such an unfortunate victim of what was clearly someone's vendetta and jealous effort to discredit his stellar career because actually he was cleared based on the results more than a time or two. Well, so much for my support because he was ultimately found to have doped. He was not only disqualified from the races and banned from competitive cycling for life for his doping offenses, but he was stripped of his seven Tour de France titles. 
And just in case any of us were still in doubt about his guilt, he went on national television in an interview with none other than Oprah, watched by billions of people around the world over, and he confessed. Well, I felt bad for him, and I thought, can you imagine what a nightmare this man's life must be? And, you know, you might sit there and say, well, he deserved it. But, boy, you know, you've got to be compassionate because just think if your life and the worst thing that you've ever done was exposed in front of everybody on national television to the point where you were just forced to get on the television and say, I did it. It was me. I did it all. That was horrible. Now, when stuff like this happens, you know, my, my, my late father used to say, how oh, the mighty have fallen. And I heard him say that enough times that, see, I remember it because that's what I think whenever stuff like this comes across my path. I think, how oh, the mighty have fallen. And even when it's me, I find myself kind of laughing at myself and thinking, wow, how oh, the mighty have fallen. <laughs> I did not realize years later, until years later, that actually he was quoting a line in the Bible until I happened to run into it when I was reading my life manual one day, which for me is the Bible. And I think, you know, it is true. You know, many, many people in your personal, professional life, as well as prominent personalities, who have all fallen victim to the wicked whisperer, world leaders, politicians, athletes, entertainers, business executives, and those are all in addition to you and me personally. I remember hearing a snippet of an athlete's really, really unfortunate life just very recently. Uh, You remember uh, his name is Terrell Thomas, and Terrell was a very successful athlete. He was a football player, in fact, and he did amazing things, right? And we all thought he was, an, he was elected MVP, and he just seemed like he was on top of the world. How amazing his career was, right? And just, just a really great football player. And unfortunately, very recently, he endured the most terrible um, turn of events because uh, it turns out that somehow he managed to lose his fortune. And I'm sorry, did I say Terrell Thomas? He's a football player too. I'm thinking about Terrell Owens. But um, Terrell Owens, as you might remember, was a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. And uh, he, was, he was in the NFL, and he um, apparently lost his fortune, and he apparently had a terrible relationship with his dad, and he managed to lose everything. And... He was now looking for a way to fix his life. So he goes on the air with Iyanla Van Zandt, and he just tells this sad, sad story 
about how he had it all, he lost it all. And I just felt terrible because I think, you know, if that was me, if I was that amazing a football player and if I had everything like he did and if I was an NFL player and I made all those millions, I would be sick, just sick. If I ended up broke having lost it all, that's just sad. And uh, so, you know, you have to be compassionate because at least I think to myself, well, you know, I've had some pretty monumental failures in my life, I think. And uh, I had some pretty big failures in my career, too. And thank goodness that none of them were that astronomical. And um, thank goodness that none of them played out in front of national television. And thank goodness I didn't feel compelled to jump on national TV and talk about all those horrible things because, boy... That's some deep stuff. So all that to say, remember to listen and learn with a heart of compassion when you hear about other people's shortcomings, their struggles, because they represent, and I suspect that a lot of them go on national television because they know that for one Terrell Owen, there are a whole lot thousands and maybe millions of people out there who are just like him, who are going at this very moment through the same thing, and he wants at least to say it's okay to go through this, and it's painful and it's horrible, and yes, that wicked whisper is nowhere in sight, but we can get through this. There are others who have done uh, or gone through equally difficult things in front of all of us in the media. Paula Dean. Uh, you remember Paula Dean, and uh, I suspect that the Wicked Whisperer might have said something to Paula like, hey, Paula, you are beyond reproach. Why? Go on, show them what you are really made of. And so she did, and that did not go so well, right? Let's suppose there was uh, the wicked whisper behind Lauren Hill. Uh, if you don't know Lauren Hill, she is a phenomenal, phenomenal singer. She also has an acting career. And poor Lauren ended up sitting in jail for in prison for two years for not paying her taxes. And I suspect the wicked whisperer might have said to her over and over, Hey, Lauren. You're big time now. You don't have to pay those taxes. To Tiger Woods, he might have said, Hey, you're Tiger Woods. You can have any woman you want. To Britney Spears, he might have said, No one will think you're crazy if you shave your head. To Millie Vanilli, he might have said, Oh, yes, just pretend to sing. No one will ever know. To Miley Cyrus, assert your independence, girl. Go ahead home. You don't need to listen to your dad. You don't even need to listen to God. Go ahead. Rip up that picture of the Pope on television. What else can you do to assert yourself? And, and she's in the middle of it right now. No one is immune from the wiles of the wicked whisperer. I remember my very first time when I really fell victim to the Wicked Whisperer. I bet you can. I was 13 years old, and I, rem I will never forget 
the day that this happened, it was actually a Friday the 13th, and it had started a while back. My cousin had taught me how to ride my bike without holding on to the handlebars. Thank you, cousin Bussel. <laughs> well, that's all he taught me to do, and that was fine, except this one day. I am riding down this really steep hill. I have got to be going, you know, certainly more than 20 miles an hour because this is a really steep hill. I'm going down without my brakes. And that wicked whisperer said to me, I bet you can ride your bike without holding on. I bet you can even put your feet up on those handlebars and recline while the bike is going down the hill without you holding on at 20 miles an hour. Now, remember what I said in the first show, folks, last week, and if you didn't listen to it last week, listen to it because that will set the stage for what we're talking about right now. The Wicked Whisperer says things that, you know, in the light of day are just, they just don't make sense. It's like, you know, you have those what in the world could I have possibly been thinking moments, right? That was that was that kind of moment for me. But at the time, that wicked whisperer was seductive, honey, and I believed every word. So what did I do? I am flying down this hill, and I let go of the handlebars, and I proceed to try and put both my feet up on top of the handlebars. Can you imagine how stupid that is? So... I start with my left leg, and I didn't even get that far because what happened was I didn't clear the handlebars with the leg as it was coming up. I kicked the underside of the handlebars. The handlebars spun around. The front wheel turned 180 degrees to face me. And over the top of that bike, I went, (laughs) and the bike landed on top of me, and we slid down to the bottom of the hill on, this was in Zimbabwe, and they made the the roads out of, um, what were they made out of? Tar, I think. And so um, black asphalt, black surface, it was all very, very bad. I have permanent scars from that day still. I got up. I was shaken. I looked down at myself. I was wearing a uniform because I went to, in in a lot of the schools in Zimbabwe, you have to wear a uniform. I had a white shirt, a green tie, and a green skirt. And my green skirt was ripped to shreds at the thighs. My white shirt was ripped to shreds at the breast. I had a huge... I I was missing some skin on my forehead. I was missing some skin on my hip, on my hip bone where I had hit the ground. I mean, I was a mess. And thank you very much to the Wicked Whisperer because at that point, where was he? Nowhere in sight. Now, I hope I don't sound like I'm preaching. Ha! I may rouse you to jump around. Ha! But I am no pastor. Ha! So if the wicked whisperer is really bothering you, if he really has you in his grip, go visit your pastor. Go visit your imam, your rabbi, seek counseling. There are many, many religious-based and secular resources out there that can help you. Seek professional assistance because sometimes 
The wicked whisperer is so deeply embedded in your psyche that you just cannot get him out by yourself. That happens a lot, by the way. So, you know, it's nothing to take lightly. It's nothing to make fun of. It's nothing to um, just sort of dismiss because there may be times when you really do need professional help because if you don't get it, you are on a trajectory where you are truly going to self-destruct and it's going to cost you more than just your home or your family or your career or the things that you hold dear. So as I've said, and as you know, hopefully, if you've listened to the show before, this is an idea exchange, and I am just exchanging my ideas today for ways that all of us might stave off the destruction and devastation that can be caused by the wicked whisperer. So with that disclaimer, I do have some suggestions for some steps you can take at the outset. I bet you can think of a whole bunch more, but I'm just going to start with these. The first thing that I would suggest is know the wicked whisperer for who he is. He is called many, many names. Beelzebub, Satan, Lucifer, Maya, delusion, confusion. In the Bible book of Job, he was called the accuser. In the book of Revelation, he is called the beast. He is also called the father of lies, the angel of light, the angel of death, the angel of the fiery pit, the liar, the king of Tyre, the king of Babylon, the devil that sits over your shoulder and talks you into doing stupid things. Uh, That's my personal name. Uh, The serpent, the ruler of demons, the king of thieves, the prince of darkness. Did I say that one already? The wicked one, the temptress, and on and on and on. Now, once you know who you're dealing with, you can start to develop some solutions. Uh, The second thing I would suggest... Recognize that stupid ideas are not born stupid, and they're not born in a day. They creep up on you. They start as small whispers, and then they grow. And the small whispers may be quite agreeable. For example, he loves you so much, right? This man is truly a God sent for you. And where would you be without this amazing man that you have found? My goodness, he is so much more than you deserve, right? You are nothing without him. Now, Those might be initial loving whispers, but they might over time turn into, he's right. You are nothing without him. Why do you make him so angry? You have to stay with him because he loves you so much, and you must atone for all the times you cross him. Where would you go anyway? 
Now clean that blood of yours off the floor, quit your whimpering, and go make that amazing man something to eat. I hope that this is not something that's going on in your head right now. If it is, I suggest that you get some help because that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. So moving right along, the third thing that I would suggest is Recognize that the wicked whisperer cannot make you do anything. He can only whisper and influence. I found the following quote, which I thought was quite good, on a website called thewaytotruth.org. It said, if Satan cannot seduce devout believers, he whispers disagreeable thoughts and fancies to them. For example, by associating some ideas with others, he makes believers have something, some unpleasant conceptions of the divine being. That's a reference to God. Or conceive of unbelief or disobedience. If they dwell on such ideas, Satan pesters them until they fall into doubt about their belief or despair of ever leading a virtuous life. Another trick is to cause good, devout believers to suspect the correctness or validity of their religious acts. For example, did I perform my prayer correctly? Did I wash hands or face completely while performing the ritual ablution? How many times did I wash the parts of my body that must be washed? If that last part made you frown in confusion, it's because this site is an Islamic site, but it nailed the essence of the wicked whisperer's strategy. There are sometimes simply doubts that are infused into your mind, even about the good things that you're trying to do. Did I give enough money to the poor? Am I worthy of that which I have been blessed with? I must not be. And so you start to sabotage yourself. On to other ways that the wicked whisperer um, tries to attack us and things that we should know. Recognize, and this is perhaps, in my opinion, the most important thing. Recognize that you have the power and control over your thoughts. He can't make you do anything. He can only suggest. And you always have the power to say no. How do you say no? My suggestion is read your life manual. For those of you who haven't heard me use this term before, the life manual is what I call the religious, whatever the religious text is that you use. Mine happens to be the Bible. There are some people who use others like the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, the Tanakh, or the Hebrew Bible. But read your life manual. Take an example, I would suggest, take an example from my life manual, because um, Jesus actually dealt very directly with the wicked whisperer on several 
occasions that are articulated in the Bible. When the wicked whisperer showed up to him during his 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, you know, personally I think, well, gee, you can imagine how Jesus might have loved a sandwich. And maybe he had a love for sandwiches, I don't know, because interestingly, the wicked whisperer comes along and he says to him, well, 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 do I see the Son of God himself starving? No, this is few as ad-living to make the point. Now, if Jesus had been ego-driven like you or I, he might have said, yeah, that's right, I am the Son of God. And when Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, why don't you command that these stones become bread? If Jesus was like you or I, he might have said, he might have done exactly that. Looked down at the ground at the first rock he saw and yelled, you, stone. And the stone would have risen from the ground and approached him. And with a blink of his eye, Jesus could have turned that one stone into a gorgeous table with white linens, the best silverware, a golden chalice full of wine even better than they had at that one wedding, and the finest quail and fish dinner you ever did see. Candlelight to boot. But Jesus was setting an example for all of us when he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Certainly not as cinematically dramatic, but far more useful to the rest of us, right? And that wasn't all, was it? The wicked whisperer then takes him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, well, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, after all, he shall give you his angels to charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, let you dash your foot against a stone. Now, you or I might have been tempted to show off and show him, oh, yes, I am the son of God, watch this. But Jesus said to him, it is written, again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And that was not all. The devil then took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, If you're wondering how could it be that Satan owns the world that God created, this is an excellent question for your rabbi, your imam, your pastor, or your priest, or go consult your life manual. As I've said before, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a priest, can't get into that kind of depth, but um, I think it's a good question because it's a question that I wondered about when I read it. I was like, what? The first time I read it, so I had to go hustling off to my pastor. Pastor, how come? And actually, there was a very good answer that I got for it, so I'll leave you to figure that out. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, or in some texts, 
Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So, Jesus nailed it. Not once, not twice, but three times. Yes, indeed. Now, remember, I am not a religious scholar. So when I read my life manual, which for me happens to be the Bible, I take away my own impressions. And here's what I got out of those three lessons. The first thing I got out of it was, like me, Jesus was approached by the wicked whisperer. So no one is immune. Do not laugh at the people's misfortunes that you read in the papers because we are all subject to attack. And actually, I think the more successful, the more devoted, Um, We are to our causes, to our God, the more we're going to be under attack. The second thing I got out of Jesus' example is that Satan approached him multiple times using multiple tactics. So the fact that the wicked whisperer might come at me millions of times and in millions of ways over the course of my life is no excuse to fall victim to him. The third takeaway for me was I can't speak for other people's life manuals like the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita or the Tanakh. But what I can say based on my Bible is that it's called the good news because the good news is that no matter how many times you or I fall victim to the wicked whisperer, there is always grace and forgiveness and the opportunity to get up, dust ourselves off, repent, and try again the next day. As long as we have breath in our lungs and have given us over to God through Jesus the Christ, we should try to be perfect, yes, but for all those times when, not if, when we fall short, there is forgiveness and there is grace. The last thing that I took away from that is it works. It works. I remember a time when I was going through some really hard stuff in my life. And I felt like my whole life was falling apart. Everything that I held dear, I stood to lose. My marriage was failing. I wasn't sure about how I was going to get to work and keep the job that I had. Financially, things looked terribly bleak. I was afraid I was going to lose my house, and on and on and on. I woke up this one day feeling like I had a demon that had dug its feet onto my shoulders and it was tearing at me with its teeth and claws the entire day long. You're no good to anyone, it said. Look at you. Such a failure. Who will ever love you now? It attacked my performance at work, my personal relationships, my parenting skills. I mean, there was nothing that horrible creature did not criticize. And in all the while, I'm hearing it like this angry, rasping, accusatory voice in my head. Don't roll your eyes and think I'm crazy. You know what that feels like. Some of you have gone through it, and some of you adopt that voice as your own, and you say it to yourself. I'm no good, I'm a failure because the wicked whisperer has convinced you that that's your self-image. So the day goes on. 
And this demon just keeps at me. And the more it keeps at me, the angrier and more frustrated I am becoming. Now, fortunately, by this time, I had taken up the habit of meditating at least once a day, generally in the evenings. And I could not wait to get to my meditation that day. So when the time came, I took that gnawing, clawing son of a so-and-so off to my meditation space. Now remember, I had this visual image of the thing digging its claws into my shoulders. So we had been everywhere together that day. By the time I sat down to spend my time with God, I was so angry. I was so frustrated and so tired of fighting this thing all day, plopped down before God just mad. And with my eyes closed really tight, I concentrated on God, and I just yelled with my inside voice, of course. I yelled to my father, God, listen to what he's been saying to me all day. And I mentally turned around and looked at that evil creature on me, and I yelled, come out here into the light and tell God what you've been saying to me. And, you know, I had this mental image of this light that God was shining down on me, and I am yelling at the seaman that's hiding in the shadows, God, get out here, get your behind out here, and you say to God all the horrible things that you've been saying to me all day. And for the first time that day, there was dead silence. I listened for it. I listened for that wicked, raspy voice that I had been hearing in my head all day long. You're no good. Why? Look at you. You failed at your marriage. Why? You're probably going to be homeless in two weeks. You're going to get kicked out of here. I mean, all of these things had been going through my head all day long. And all of a sudden, before God, there was silence. I couldn't believe it. And then I felt so free. I felt jubilant. Woohoo! I had vanquished it just like Jesus had done. I patted myself on the back. I was so pleased. I couldn't believe it. I had vanquished just like Jesus had shown me. I had done it. And woohoo! What an applause there was going on in my little heart. I was jubilant. And then a thought crossed my mind from that still small voice in my heart that I knew to be God. And the still small voice said to me, you already knew what to do. Why did you carry that thing around all day and let it bother you? And I realized that had I really followed Jesus' example, I would have banished that thing the moment it appeared rather than spending my whole day in misery. How many times do we carry the wicked whisper around for days, months, years? So I will leave you to think about that. And until next week, this is Spiwa saying, go in peace and don't fall victim to the wicked whisperer. 
Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.